Yannick, let's go to the world of soccer. Lord of soccer. The, the world of footy. <coughs> Talk a little bit of AFCON. Not so much the competition. We're down to three teams. Senegal beating Burkina Faso. Three to one today to advance to the final. That was kind of what we expected. It would have been a pretty big upset for Burkina Faso. Good, a good team, but Senegal certainly overmatching them. The other semifinal, the one we're, we're really excited for, Egypt against Cameroon. <coughs> of course, Cameroon, one of the favorites. Yannick's picked to win the tournament. Egypt, probably the best player on the entire continent in Mo Salah. So it should be a really fun game tomorrow. Yannick, my question for you is, can success at this AFCON tournament, do you think any of these teams in the semifinals, maybe quarterfinals, uh, I can't remember totally uh, if, if any quarterfinal teams are still in qualifying because it is down to the 10-team uh, two-round playoff. Uh, but can any of these teams take this success and and use it for success later on in the year in Qatar or Qatar? Yeah, I, I, I not that I can see. You know what I mean? Like, like I think that Cameroon is a solid team, but we knew that already. They always are. They're like a good at representative. Um, I think maybe the the team that I would look at is Senegal. I think Senegal, obviously, they had the 2002 World Cup where they made a run. Um, and I think if they were to win against Cameroon or Egypt and, and clinch the AFCON, maybe they take that momentum because they always have good players, but they seem to not not take their momentum into the tournament. But maybe they have a nicer momentum and kind of make the World Cup and do well with it. Um, so maybe that sparks them to a run. But I, I see all the teams kind of kind of on a similar spectrum that I would have seen them f- before the uh, the AFCON started. You know, maybe I'm ranking those teams from Africa differently, but it's it's kind of played out the way we expected it to play out. Like Cameroon, Egypt, Senegal, those are teams we expect to be there kind of. Egypt was the was the question mark right. and we and it could have been Nigeria and I think if they had beaten them, they would be there too. And you know, that... or, Morag- or Morocco, yeah, like the team that Egypt would have lost to would have been a team, another team we would have been like, yeah, you should be here. Right. The only thing that I got from Afcon is like, remember how Algeria went to the round of sixteen and scared Germany that one year? It's not happening again. Like that's all I've, that's all I've kind of garnered from this Afcon. Really, there's nothing that tells me that there's going to be like a monumental success for any of these teams. Unfortunately. You don't th- you don't think there will be any African team that can that can make some like round of sixteen noise? Round of sixteen, like win the round of sixteen and go to the quarterfinals. Round of sixteen, like go get to the round of sixteen. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously there's there's plenty of times where no African teams make the round of sixteen, but I think that's a too far of a, a bar to like be like, do they have the chance to? I think uh, Senegal's two thousand two appearance is the only quarterfinal appearance for an African country, right? Cameroon did it as well in the in the eighties or nineties when did when they? Uh, yeah they had one of their famous players who I'm gonna forget his name and that's so embarrassing um, the Cameroonian player his name was oh boy oh man I have to look this up because he's a famous um, he's a famous famous player uh, Roger Milla Roger Milla took uh, took Cameroon to a quarterfinal and I think at that point it was the longest. Um, 19, they, 1990 1990 yes that's what i had thought um so nice. yeah good call or roger millet so yeah really so well. i mean like so like so i mean you know we dive into some history there so only two african teams to ever go to the quarterfinals um 
so it is like you know sometimes for Africa, like the 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 height of their success is not you know winning a championship. But do do you see like it, it seemed earlier like you may think that there's no African teams with maybe the possibility to make a quarterfinal run. I, I think a lot of times for any teams like this, when it's like the USA, oh, what are you going to do in the group stage? Oh, we're going to have to see who we get drawn with. Um, and, you know, sometimes you can win your group even and then play a, a team that far outmatches you. Um, you need a little luck on your side. But do you, do you think there's a, a team, do you think Senegal, like you mentioned Senegal earlier, you thought they might, might be able to have some success. success. Do, you, do you think there's an African team that, that could make a quarterfinal run or do you think it's going to be a pretty uh, a poor poor time for them in, in Qatar? Overall, I think it'll be a probably a poor time, but I think one of them will make the round of 16. I think the way that the draw works, there'll be a favorable group for one that someone can end up second and maybe even first, depending on it. The problem is not that the African teams are worse than previous years. The problem is we saw in European qualifying just how good a lot of European teams are getting. So the ones that make the World Cup, they're all going to be contenders for those round of 16 places. There's not one of those teams that you're going to be like, oh, we can rule them out. You know, and I think in comparison with the African teams, it's going to be hard. But I do believe like a Senegal, even a Nigeria, I know they exited early, but they do perform well and uh, or a Cameroon could make the round of 16. So I definitely think that's an, an achievable goal for these teams going forward. I don't think any team progresses past that this year, but, you know, I, I, I hope to see one of them in the round of 16. Right. And again, like sometimes you just got to You got to get there. You can you can get a favorable draw. Somebody, you know, because I agree with you. I think that, that that second tier of Europe does look pretty, pretty dangerous. But with the African teams, there's always it's almost the African team you you like least sus- sus- suspect that goes off to like perform the best in the World Cup. But yeah, I, I don't think success here will, will really determine much. There's I like looked it up. There's you know been eight World Cups since 1990. The defending champion of the AFCON tournament hasn't qualified for five of those World Cups. Uh, Nigeria twice made it to the knockout round uh, as the defending AFCON champion, but but that's about out it for for carrying over success. And we, and we see that you know that's not even just an AFCON thing. That the last time the European team won the Euros and then the World Cup was Spain when they had you know maybe the most impressive three tournament run of all time. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think I, I think Africa like I. I think there's there's talent enough to maybe make a quarterfinal run. Uh, I hope they get you know at least a couple teams in the round of 16. Um, but but I don't think any of that that success will be tied to this. All right, Yannick, we talked about it earlier. We mentioned it. How legit are our neighbors to the north? How good is Canada? I can't believe I'm saying this, but absolutely legit. Like they're obviously not World Cup winners or anything like that. But could they advance to the knockout round and make some noise? Absolutely. They're more dangerous than any African. Could they, like, like, I mean, just since we jumped off that, like, quarter, like could, you think they quarter could do quarterfinals? Yeah. I think they should be going for the quarterfinals. They're more dangerous to me than any African or Asian side that's currently currently playing for qualification. They're undefeated right now in the CONCACAF qualifying. Granted, we've talked about how those teams aren't at their top tier, but still, they beat the Mexico. They beat the U.S. They've only conceded five goals. And I'm going to make a statement here, which U.S. should U.S fans should hate 
Canada, their soccer team right now is what the U.S. wishes they were. They have MLS stalwarts like Jonathan Osorio and Mark Kay. They have young talent like Jonathan David from the French League. And they have a star like Alfonso Davies. Obviously, he's not playing right now, but he will. And they could certainly finish second in a group or even first if the group is weak. But their, their lack of firepower means that they'll probably not get past the quarterfinals. But we saw Costa Rica get to the quarterfinals without any firepower either. So there's no reason for me to think that a, they a can't. Far less ta- I mean, I love that Costa Rica team, but like a far less talented team than this Canadian team. At least sure. at the top end. 100%. And they've got a passion there for the game that's just budding and brewing. And I really love what I'm seeing up there. So I think Canada's absolutely legit. Anyone who's looking at this like, oh, yeah, but the U.S., but Mexico, you, I'm not expecting anything from either of those teams. I'm expecting something from Canada. I want to see them go to the World Cup and at least qualify for the round of 16. And if I'm that coach, you know, I think we, you just take it from there. And there's no reason to think that you can't, you know, make a surprise quarterfinal run. Right, I dude, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I'm so um, glad. <laughs> and and like as as far as like like yeah, Mexico is is down kind of downward trajectory. Yeah, USA isn't playing good, but like your opponent can be playing poorly and not doing all that well, and you can still be playing well. Hundred like, percent. It, it doesn't have, like it's not just a, a one like it's not mutually exclusive. Like you you win games sometimes. Yeah, you win games because your opponent played bad. Sometimes you win games because your opponent played bad and you played well. And that's, I mean, like the USA looked horrible the other night, but Canada also looked really, really good. They, they know who they are. Like you said, the, the team that they have, Kyle Laren is a beast uh, as a forward up there scoring real prolifically throughout qualifying. You, you mentioned David, of course, uh, uh, Alfonso Davies is the star. And I think in any international tournament, if you have a, uh, as long as you have a guy at that level, you, you can, you can make a run. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. They've only been to one World Cup, which is, like, kind of surprising, not surprising. Like, you know, it's 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 not a soccer nation by any means, but just because, like, CONCACAF isn't all that deep, you, you would think they'd have maybe a few more appearances. But, yeah, certainly we'll be making their second one. And and I agree. Like, I, I think, like, for them, it's it's certainly get out of the group. And, and I, I think they've got a legitimate chance to make the quarterfinals and, and to, to make a little noise. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited. I mean, because you know, whatever group they've been placed in, they're going to get underestimated. And I can't wait for them to knock off a European juggernaut. Oh, for sure. You know they for will. For sure. They're going to go out there the first game and have to play Spain or something and tie them 1-1 because they're thinking Spain versus Canada, this is going to be easy. And they're a good team. They're well coached. They have good defense. You know, they have everything they need to, to believe that they can stay in any game. Now, you know, you need more than belief to make it past the quarters for sure. And we've seen that. But going to the quarters, 100% uh, a possibility for this. For your second World Cup appearance ever, like for Canada to go to the, the quarterfinals, that would be exponentially like, increase. It, it'd, be, it'd be insane. <laughs> Um, yeah. But no, I mean, like, I, I think the biggest thing for, for Canada, because like they, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're not qualified yeah, technically yet, but but they will be. Yeah, I think I think it's it's going to come down to the coaching staff in, in the sense of what's your team's mentality, right. because they are still young, especially they're they're they're, they're young like they're they're big playmakers and, and stuff. So if you come in there and and you're wide eyed and you're like, oh, our second World Cup, we've done it, we're back. Look at this big grand stage. You're going to come out and, and play a nation that expects to be there every time and and drop points and, and lose a game. 
if you come out there though and you're young and you're just like, man, nobody really expects much from us. This is only our second time. Like we're just out here going to enjoy ourselves, play our soccer. Like if you keep your team loose, I, I, I think they go a real long way. Right. And I think more importantly than this World Cup, right? You think about Alfonso Danis, Jonathan David. These are stars that are young. So even if it doesn't pan out this World Cup, it's going to inspire Canada to keep going in the soccer direction. And I think in two World Cups, you'll see a 27-year-old Alfonso Davies, kind of the veteran leading the line with even more young Canadian talent. And that's what a good World Cup showing can do. So I think it's important they do well. Um, and it's important for now, but also important for the future. Well, you know, we talk about, oh, what can the USA do it with home field advantage in 2026? Canada's going to have a, a couple games in Canada. And uh, it also is not that far from the U.S. Like Canada's yeah. going to be able to to fill the, the place and, and have home field advantage as, as much as, as the United States or Mexico. Mexico probably will still in the end have the best home field advantage out of all three. But, it, you know, Canada's will they're right there. So let's talk a little transfers. Not a ton of movement, but but some notable moves, um, and certainly some some notable clubs making those moves. We're going to talk about three clubs, Jan, and I want you to give a grade to each of them on how you think they did in the January transfer. Let's start in Spain, Barcelona. Lots of moves, especially up front. Uh, that front three is going to look quite differently. Headlights uh, by Fran Torres from Manchester City. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang finally leaves Arsenal and, and joins Barcelona and Adama Traore also leaving the Premier League. I feel like I've been waiting for Adama Traore to get transferred for like my entire life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell me, what are, you, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on, on Barca's transfers and, and your grade for a team that's goals are, are a little bit different this year than, than normal years for Barca? Yeah, I, I'm going to give it a B minus and here's why. Here's why. Uh, I think the Triori Aubameyang and the Ferran Torres move earlier, obviously, they all bring hope of a Barcelona renaissance. And that's what everyone wants to see, right? Who's the front three going to be that leads them into the new, the promised land? But the questions still remain, like, are they out of financial jail yet? And also, they have kind of been a team surrounded by drama. And Jury's not out yet on him. He's not an Antonio Brown figure yet. But... Whether Obama Yang is good in that team or if he's going to add to the drama of it is a real question. And I think the Barcelona superiors really need to look at this team and be like, we have a lot of young, good talent. Now is not the time to try to go be Barcelona again. Now is the time to rebuild. It is. I'm sorry, Messi left you and you have to rebuild now. You don't just like go out for all these players and think three new strikers is going to automatically bring you everything. Um, so I don't really believe in the move just yet. Now, it could be Obama, Yang, Triori, Ferran, Torres. Those are all really strong players. Maybe they've meld well together and they do create this Barcelona renaissance, which is why I'm not grading it any lower than a B-. But I just think that what I wanted to see from Barcelona was some smart moves. I wanted to see that they have learned from this whole debacle in which they lost the player of a, of, of every century and they haven't done that. They they haven't done that yet. And granted, they got Obama Yang on free because of whatever. But I think his addition especially, I just don't trust it. I don't think they need any more drama. And he's obviously full of it. And I just wouldn't be surprised if he if they terminate his contract after a year because they get into some fight about something. Um, so yeah, I give it a B minus. I like the enthusiasm. I just, I so don't trust the Barcelona superiors right now. So I don't know if these moves were made 
um, in good faith. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly everything you, you, you say is, is true. And it's, uh, it's a Barcelona that, that just, I mean, like even from a year, like a year ago, we, we still looked at them as, as the Barca of old, the Barca that had won, you know, four champions leagues in right. the last 16 years or, or what have you. Um, and of course defined by maybe the greatest player of all time. I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, maybe I'm a little optimistic because I, I like Obama Yang and, and I'm a big Triori fan. I know both of them have had their issues this year, but I think they're both guys who have needed a change of scenery. Um, I, I think your, your worries about Obama Yang are, are certainly valid, which I think he says enough about where Barcelona's right at right now, because normally you'd be like, Oh, a distraught player who just needs a change of scenery. Barcelona will be a perfect place for that. Like that, that, that's going to, it's a stable spot. It's not as stable, but uh, I am, I am a believer in, in Xavi and, and Obama Yang's uh, ability. And I guess I go more so that I don't think these moves are to bring Barcelona back to the Barcelona of old. I, I think Barcelona knows that this current squad might not finish top four. And I think especially with where they're at financially, I I don't think they can afford that. I, I think they they know that they have to be in the Champions League. Um, and, and it'll just be too much of a big hit. And, and I think the deals were, were – I'm not a big Ferran Torres guy, but $46 million, you know, for a young forward nowadays is, like, kind of a steal. I mean, if I haven't got him for less than, like, 60 is is a good kind of deal. And then the other two you have, are, are basically for free. So I'm going to be optimistic for him. B plus. Let's hop over to England to the club struggling in Liverpool. They are struggling big time. Everton. I mean, I don't think there's a worse team or at least more disappointing team in the top five leagues. This, I mean, it was an Everton team like last year and, and not too long ago, you know, making kind of big moves and, and playing well where we're, we've had them back in, in the European discussion, at least Europa League in the Premier League. Uh, kind of looked like they were getting getting back to their old ways. And God, does it not look like that anymore. 16th in the standings now, Jan. Frank Lampard has been hired on as manager. What grade, including the the Lampard hiring, are you giving Everton for this transfer window? Yeah, it's good. I would. I'm going to give it a B. I think that uh, they are taking a risk, but they need to take a risk right now. They are so bad right now. They need to take a risk. They're banking. They're banking on talent that could could benefit them or could hurt them. Right, you have Donny Van de Beek, and I'm not saying that he did poorly for Manchester United. His case is he just didn't get to make much of a case at Manchester United. And maybe he has a lot more to offer, and maybe he doesn't. But we'll see. They get Deli Alley. You know, obviously the 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 fall of Deli Alley at Tottenham has been well documented. Maybe he has more in him. He was so good when he did. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see. And as for Lampard, he showed some life at Chelsea before getting sacked, obviously. It's not like he was terrible the whole time. Maybe he can be a better manager. Maybe he won't be. Uh, All three of these signings need to prove that they're more than just uh, a discussion, a rumor, a former flash in the pan. But, you know, they did need to make moves, and I would rather them try to rely on this talent. I like the moves that they did because they need something. So I'm going to give it a B. Yeah, I, I agree. I think kind of like Barcelona, you, you have to commend them where they're at least being like, look, we, we got to make change. We, you know, we got to mix some stuff up now because it's, I mean, when you're Everton should not be closer to the relegation battle than they are to, you know, uh, 
going to to Europe, um, and that, and that's where they are right now. I I go B minus just because I, I worry about Frank Lampard. I'm not sold on him yet. I, I do think he, he probably has the right sort of personality and and what he'll he'll bring because it's a team that really does still have a lot of talent. Like like it's not really a team that you're like oh gosh we we like. I mean, obviously, money-wise, they can't change the roster a ton, but like they, they shouldn't have to. Um, and and some maybe some influx of talent and and, and such will get them going. But I, I I would be minus um, just because I I worry that with a team that's struggling so much themselves, are are Donnie and Delhi who are struggling on their own right a lot. Right. Are they going to be able to find their way when, when everyone else is too? So I, I hope they do. So I, I mean, I, I would love to see Donnie do well. It's been kind of sad that he hasn't gotten, never really got his chance in, in Manchester. All right, last one. We're going to Italy. Juventus probably making the, I would say, the most notable move, um, probably the biggest splash of the transfer market, getting their guy, Vlahovic from Fiorentina. Mm. Uh, also got Dennis Zakaria, Dario Gatti. What is your grade for the team out of turn? Yeah, I, I love it. I love everything they're doing. I give it an A. I mean, Vlahovic is a deadly striker, kind of makes up for the Ronaldo void that's been there. Zakaria, having seen him firsthand in the Bundesliga, he's a talented player as well. Uh, he can be inconsistent a little bit, but I think for the most part, he's talented, and that's why uh, there's there was like kind of a race for him. I think Locatelli's addition earlier on also adds that Italian flair back that they needed to have, they desperately needed. Um, and I think Juventus, kind of similar to Everton and, and Barcelona, but for different reasons, uh, they needed a renaissance. You know, they still, they're not out of it yet. They needed a renaissance um, and they got it. And I think Vlahovic is the biggest signing. I think he will make the most impact of any player signed of the players we've talked about. And I think that Juventus watch out because they're going to finish top three. I, I, I really believe that they're going to finish top three after these additions. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Giving them an a, I thought, I thought all these moves were terrific. The, the obviously the big one with Blahovich. I like, I, he just, he just seems like one of those guys, like it's just one of those moves where you're just like, yeah, this is going to work. Like you're going to slide right in right. and, and take on kind of, you know, those those Iguain days when he just absolutely tore up Syria. Oh. Uh, it, it just there's just it, it, it just feels like a MGF truly uh, <laughs> a transfer like that just like like it's there's just no way it won't work and um, and I agree I, it's it's aggressive when they needed to be they needed to to mix things up it was a team that was just kind of less in some disarray with with the whole Ronaldo kind of tobacco. I mean, like I would say the Ronaldo experiment there was, was a failure. Probably going to be considered a failure in Manchester as well. Um, but yeah, moves that you're hundred percent right. I, I think is going to push them back easily into the top four of Syria because they're so far behind enter. It, it's tough to think that they can really make up all that ground, but you know, they're also a, a, a talented enough team to make it a champions league run. And they've got Villarreal in, in their first round. I mean, that, that's a team that Juventus should be before these transfers. So they've got some some European stakes as well. Right, agreed. And wouldn't it be so funny if Juventus finally won the Champions League after this horrible season? That'd be so funny. For, be, it would be hysterical. Hysterical. I mean, that just doesn't happen. But I mean, it could. It's the Champions League. Any for us saying it, it shouldn't happen doesn't doesn't mean it's anything. Exactly how. Yeah. Right. No. Like, yeah. The, the team who's. I mean, I think they've lost the most 
final and seven finals and so many talented teams. Like, you're right. This would be the team. It would be like, oh, of course, now they're loose. Jan, any other transfers you want to highlight? Yeah, I think Tottenham's uh, transfers have been decent, too. They added Kulusevski, who I think is a great player from the Serie A, and Benjikor. Um, I think they, they signed two good players, decent players, to shore them up a little bit. And uh, Inter Milan signing Robbie Gozens, the German the German, uh, the German energizer bunny. Love love to see it. I think it'll further their stranglehold on the Serie A. And then I just want to give a shout-out, not that it's going to do anything for their season, but Christian Eriksen to Brentford. The man I love is it. back. I love it. That's the, that's the only A-plus transfer. That they don't give out A-pluses. That's an A-plus. That's A plus, like A plus. Good to see you again. <laughs> it's it's incredible. True, I mean truly, like it. The Ronaldo back to Manchester uh, transfer was, you know, probably probably the happiest I've been with a transfer. But uh, this this one would be a, a, a close second, just because it's so great to to see him back and and hope he's doing well. I mean, because like just such a fun player to watch. All right, Jan, I'm watching college basketball. I got Wisconsin and Illinois. 21-21. Nice rebound. Um, if Wisconsin wins, I win some money, so go Wisconsin. Let's talk college basketball. Um, small college basketball news. Chris Mack out at Louisville in the middle of his fourth season. Disappointing end to a hire that I was excited about when they made it. I, I thought he could really turn that program around as a program in turmoil. He leaves now with the entire athletic program kind of just in general not doing well. Uh, still a big-time job. You know, it's not traditional ACC kind of area and stuff and, and Kentucky's always going to probably have the edge over over Louisville but uh you know I, I I still think it's one of the the better jobs in in the country top 15 top 20 clearly Auburn thinks it's a top job Bruce Pearl uh I, I actually don't think Bruce Pearl should go to uh, Louisville considering both those parties have some uh, questionable history but Auburn <laughs> locking him down till 2030 6.27 million dollars a Crazy. year. He is only behind Calipari, Coach K, and Jay Wright. Fourth highest coach. He'll be the third highest coach of the start of next year. All those other guys have a national title. Jan, can Bruce Burrow bring one to Auburn? I think so. I think he can. I I uh I think this team is gonna <coughs> is gonna win the title. So there you go. That if I think that about this team, then my answer has to be yes. And uh, you know, Pearl's led Auburn to three of the last four tournaments. And honestly, you look at the position he's in. I I was questionable about this deal for the same reason. Like those three coaches, he's not in the conversation with those three coaches yet. But but I do think like you look at the SEC. It's there for the taking. I mean, no team has been consistently on top in a little bit. So can he lead Auburn to be a stalwart of that conference for the next decade? Maybe. You know, it's there for the taking. And his style is encouraging. He has his players playing well. There's a lot of other factors that go into it, obviously, in college sports. But I think that I think that it, it, it could work out. Obviously, it, long deals, whoever knows. Um but I, I'm, I, I love Auburn, so I, I don't want to say anything. I can't say a bad word about him currently. Um, and as for the Mac firing, right, it's fair. I mean, they haven't played, you know, they haven't played well. They're 11-9. and nine. They're outside of the tournament picture. Obviously, the scandal didn't help. You know, Louisville has enough scandals. My, God, my goodness. They can't. They're scandal city over there. Dino. Dino Gaudio. Dino Gaudio. Oh, my God. What a gangster what a, name for a gangster. Truly. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I agree. I think I think Bruce Pearl certainly has. I mean, Kentucky's always going to be there in the SEC, but but like it's it's kind of like 
who it's there for the taking the sense of like who who is gonna always join Kentucky like it's a hundred percent and like and like Kentucky too is like I mean Cal's always got them there but I mean when's the last Kentucky final oh, the Goblins been back to the final four more recently or not back that was their first time like Bruce Pearl's also the best coach in Auburn history like already right. like taking them further uh, and I I think he certainly could he like just the way he plays. People love it. He's an insanely good recruiter. He's shown now. I mean, like, I think Jabari Smith's my top uh, NBA prospect. I think he should go number one. So now he's shown he can recruit big-time guys to Auburn. Uh, he, he's great with the transfer portal. I mean, both those starting guards are are transfers from other places. So uh, he, he works the game so well. Now let's talk a little stock watch. We'll, we'll start with Kentucky. Each of these okay. teams, you're going to ask if, if you're buying – where they're going right now? Do you think they're they're doing well? You're gonna have some, some tournament success, or are you selling? Love it. And we'll Love start it. in the bluegrass state, Kentucky. You're buying or selling? I'm buying. I mean, they're a stellar scoring team since January. They've proven their worth against good opposition like Tennessee and Kansas. They obviously lost to LSU. Losses happen. Auburn's the best team in the country. I don't hold that loss against them. And they thrive. You know, Kentucky traditionally thrives on stars, and Oscar Shibway is a star. So. Um, I think that I am buying them. They they have kind of the Kentucky blueprint to go to go uh, uh, go on a run in the tournament. I completely agree. Bye bye bye. I mean they they were having a good year, but like some losses on the road. Only had one ranked win be- before the Kansas game, but they have been playing their best ball and, and truly showed it in Fog Allen. They they dominated Kansas for forty minutes, and you said it, dude. Like Oscar Tshiwe needs to at least be in the player of the year conversation leads UK in points, boards, steals, blocks over 15 rebounds a game. Like he, he's just an absolute force. All right, let's go out West LA, not UCLA, USC buying or selling. Yeah, I'm selling. I, Isaiah Mobley isn't his brother, even though he's playing well, he isn't his brother. And they, that team can't ever break 80 points. They can't, they can't break 80 points. And their defense has been decent, but they've only really played Pac-12 opposition. And Pac-12 outside of UCLA, you know, and outside of, obviously, Arizona, who, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, they haven't played those teams. Um, hasn't been... They hasn't been all... It hasn't been all that hard, you know? And even then, Stanford was able to sweep them with 75 points and 64 points. So that... It, it just kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And you wonder... You know, if that defense cracks, can the offense hold it? And when it was Evan Mobley, I think there was an answer there, maybe. But Isaiah Mobley, I'm not. I'm just not sure that he holds the same talent just yet. Uh, they've had a weak schedule so far, so everything I'm saying is conjecture because maybe they play UCLA and Arizona and they ball out, and then everything right. it changes. That's obviously the the point. But uh, until then, I'm selling. I, I'm with you, 100% selling. I, I, I mean, I think this is a team that, that's probably still going to make the tournament because the Pac team is not all that good. Um, maybe they'll prove us wrong. Maybe they'll, you know, they, they play Arizona once, they play UCLA twice. Maybe they'll get two out of three wins there and do something in the Pac-12 tournament. You know, like they, they, everything's there for them to, to you know, prove their medal. I, I don't I don't see it happening. I, I see three losses. I, I think they're going to make the tournament, and, and I'm picking them to lose whoever their first game is against. So sell – on the Trojans. Let's go to Connecticut, Yukon Huskies, buying or selling Dan Hurley's team. Uh, I can't believe you asked me this before their next three game stretch because it's honestly so, I'm going to seem so smart or so dumb based on what More happens. Dumb. 
Yeah, because they play Villanova, Marquette, and Xavier. So, like, anything could happen in those three games, and, and, and I could buy or sell them. I'm going to buy. I'm going to answer. Don't worry. I'm buying. Nice. Um, yeah, I think they beat Auburn earlier, and if we're holding Auburn as this top team, you gotta you got to put that into consideration. Um, they have kept it close in their losses against Providence, who we know is a great team, and against Seton Hall, who maybe they're not ranked anymore, but they are a decent team. Um, and they got they got three good players in Marin, RJ Cole, and Sonogo had that crazy game against Auburn, obviously. Those three need to be more consistent, for sure. I mean, they stunk in that game against Creighton. They were combined 10 for 35. Like, they were, they couldn't hit, they couldn't hit anything. It was ridiculous. Um, but I am going to buy on them. I think they've earned that much. It's a tentative buy, but, you know, I am sliding my money across the table. I might be jerking it back a little bit, but I, it, it is going across the table. You're not putting a ton of money down, but, but you're buying. I got a couple flimsy dollars I'm willing to put down. <laughs> I think I think that, that's that's fair. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell on these guys. Uh, I, I always really liked Dan Hurley's team, um, but I don't know. I mean, like, they, they looked the part. They're always real tall. They're real long. They play really good defense, but usually they just like can't get enough buckets. And, right. and I know they have that win against Auburn, which is which is a nice win. Also, double overtime win, and Auburn's fourth game of the year. And it's an Auburn team where you know Jabari Smith, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, Walker Kessler, all of them. You know the four biggest players for them. This is their first year, so their fourth fourth game together. It's not really beating the Auburn of, of, of today. Um, so I don't think I, I can give them enough stake. I, I just, I mean, I like Sonogo a lot, but I, but I just don't trust. I've seen so many of these, these Dan early UConn teams, like it, look just this way. And as, as good as Sonogo can be, as good as RJ Cole can be, I, I don't trust him enough. So I'm going to sell on UConn. Let's go to the ACC. Miami, the Canes, they had a tough loss tonight. I was thinking about switching this one to Notre Dame since Notre Dame won. But we're going to stick with Miami. Buy or sell the Hurricanes, Jan? Yeah. So, you know, they they had the law. They can't win against Florida State. So if you're telling me, are they going to win against Florida State? The answer is no. They cannot win against Florida State. It's how many like, times do they play Florida State? Yeah. The rest how, of the season. Right. Exactly. Um, I think they've been good. You know, they, they won against Duke twice, if I'm correct. Um, and I think, you know... I'm going to base this answer off of off of the rest of their season. Matt, did you know they don't play any ranked opponents for the rest of the season? Not a single ranked opponent. You know, right. they aren't a super formidable team, but McGussie and Wong can be scary when they're in their mode. Um, and, you know, their road to the tourney is a favorable one. So I'm buying, if nothing else, because it looks like they're going to go on a crazy run here because all of the teams they play, they're, they're, they should be, you know, for the most part favored in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's 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 some good and bad to the ACC being as, as weak as it as it is. They can't. I mean, like this Notre Dame game will will hurt. I think Notre Dame's good enough where they can survive it as long as now on this run they win all the games they they should. Um, and, and that's the that's the benefit of being in this week ACC. You're gonna have a lot of games you should win. The problem is you're not gonna have a lot of marquee games to to really build up your resume. And you do you are at risk of, of getting some bad losses. Um, but I'm buying them. I, I believe in them. I think they're. I think. I, I. I think tonight was just a good performance by Notre Dame, a nice back bounce back game for Notre Dame. I think Larry Nog is going to get these guys going. He's he's one of the best coaches. You said it. I mean, McGusty is is a great scorer, and and I, Isaiah Wong's like one of my favorite playmakers in, in the entire country. So 
I'm buying the Canes as well. All right, last one, buy or sell. Texas, the Longhorns. Are we hooking it? Are we hooking it? No, I'm not hooking it, man. They're so inconsistent. Their conference record is what they are. They're five and four in the conference. That is what they are. They're a five and four team. They have no real scorers. I think their top player like averages 11 points a game. That's not how you win college basketball. So Um, yeah, and and their defensive play is what they're built on right now. But it either shows up or it doesn't. And and you can't have that when that's what your main thing is or what your only thing is. You know, in the next five games, they play Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. And if they lost all five of those, I really don't know if I would be like surprised. So um, I have to I have to sell. And honestly, out of all of them, I'm selling the house on this one. I'm real. I'm real like getting away from there. Dude, I, I completely agree. I think that I'm selling every every stock I have because partly because of that schedule. Like I, I think that schedule and how they've looked is is tough enough where maybe they'll get the benefit of the doubt being in the Big Twelve, but they don't really have a ton of marquee wins. I got that nice win against Tennessee, but I think this is a team that where they're heading, how how they're playing, and and how they what their schedule is looking like, that's going to end up on the bubble. Like I mean, I think for a while we're like, oh yeah, Texas is going to be a tournament team. No, I think they're going to be sweating it on Sunday and maybe playing in the NIT. You said it, like, they can have a good defense, but when you can't, like, they're, they're reverse Iowa. Iowa's great on offense. But if you're so horrible at defense where you can't stop anybody, it doesn't matter. Texas is, is the opposite of that. It's great that you can stop, you know, people and play great defense. But if you can't put the ball in the basket, it's not going to mean a whole lot. So I'm selling Texas as well. All right, Jan, no more NFL to pick. We got to still pick some games. Yeah, we do. So we're going to pick some college basketball games. We've got some big ones. Four ranked matchups. One that's a great rivalry matchup. Uh, All games that are going to really kind of have an impact on national title race, conference races. So let's get right into it. Let's get into one of the teams we talked about in Buy or Sell, UConn playing Villanova. Who do you got in this Big East matchup? Yeah, I like Villanova star more. And I think that, you know, they're – they still want to win the Big East for confidence and because it's Jay Wright. So I think Gillespie and Moore take them to a win over UConn. Um, UConn's players could obviously show up and prove me wrong, but I like Villanova in this game. I completely agree. I'm with you. And, and partly for the reason that I said, you know, I mean, like, this isn't a, a, as good as a Villanova defense as we've seen, and, and, and they've kind of gotten worse as the season's gone along. But they're, they're still good enough, especially against a UConn team that struggles. I, I think, like you say, Gillespie and, and the shot makers they have, will be the difference, and, and they'll get the win. Also, never hurts to be playing at home. Big Ten matchup, rivalry, Illinois versus Indiana. Our only game that doesn't feature two ranked teams. Uh, but it's, in my opinion, like one of the most underrated college basketball rivalries. Like these schools do not like each other at all. Right. They're, there's Their games are always battles. Like I, I absolutely love the Illinois versus Indiana games. I think Coburn's going to rock. But that Indiana defense is, has been really, really good. It's, it's always tough to play in Bloomington. I think the home advantage is going to impact Illinois. The guards are going to settle for more jump shots. They will not go in. And I think Indiana is going to get the home win over their rival. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great point there. Indiana's playing good defense. And, uh, you know, Coburg can do well. But it, the Big Ten is hard to hard to predict. And it definitely can. Indiana can definitely pull off a win here. Uh, I'm going Illinois simply because they've been better in conference play, and that's all you can bet on in this cannibalistic Big Ten. That's all you can bet on is that they do better against Big Ten rivals. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Illinois pulls it out, and I think Coburn's a big reason why. 
He is a monster. He actually literally just threw it down, slammed it home. Might, might depend on what it might depend on what happens in this game too. I, I think like it, it's tough for me to see Illinois losing two games in a row. So if Wisconsin's able to get this win at Illinois, which I really really hope they do, um, I, I that would probably start making me favor Illinois because I, I just think they you get locked in a little bit more. All right, one of the two top ten matchups that we've got this weekend: UCLA versus Arizona, a battle for Pac-12 supremacy. UCLA. Winning the first game in L.A. at Pauly. This one in Arizona. Who do you got for this one, Jan? Yeah, I think Arizona is what I'm going to go with. I think they do go one and one here. I think, um, you know, they still have one of the top offensive teams in the league. And you know that they're thinking, you know, we can make a run. But if they get swept by UCLA, that's going to really hit on their confidence. So I think they want to go out there, prove that they are, you know, uneven tier with UCLA. Um, and so I think they're going to really go hard in this one. I think the offense is going to show up. And so I'm picking Arizona in this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's uh, not that Arizona is, is as a whole is an unexpected, you know, team to be good in college basketball, but nobody expected this iteration of Arizona to be good. They're certainly not this good. One of, I mean, them and Gonzaga, the only teams that are both in the top 10 of, of offensive and defici- defensive efficiency. And, and I agree with you, too, where I, I think because people didn't really expect them to be all that good, there is still some, okay, how good are they, you know? Right. And and this is a game I think that they have to and, and want to win. And I, and I think the fans being back, I, I, I just think that – I think for them, they, they need to win, and, and I think they will. I think – I think they're the better team. I think they're the more complete team. Um, also, I think UCLA has the better guys that can maybe bust the game open. But as a whole, the Wildcats are better. All right, our second top ten matchup: Kansas Baylor battle for the Big Twelve. This is their first of two meetings. This one's down in Waco. Who you got? Yeah, I I got Kansas winning this one. Um, they're both still trying to figure out how to how to get the most out of their players. They're good teams, but they've both been wobbly. Obviously, Kansas had the loss to Texas Tech and then had the double o- overtime win, the loss to Kentucky, the Iowa State win. It was close, and Iowa State isn't the most formidable team to me. Um, but, you know, Baylor has had their disappointments too. Hey, the hey. Last- Kansas at Hilton, Iowa State could put five uh, newborns out and they'll they'll get Kansas a game. That place is insane so, for Kansas fair, games. Fair enough, fair enough. Um but yeah, Baylor's a bit disappointing too. You know, the last two games, you know, they they lost to a less than stellar Alabama side. I don't even think they were ranked when they played them, and they barely beat uh, you know Western Virginia. Not that Western Virginia is bad either, but I'm talking. You're talking about these two heavyweights of Big Twelve. These are games that you look at. You know, you want them to be kind of sweeping or sweeping aside the competition, it, not blowing them out necessarily, but beating them convincingly. Neither team has done that consistently. But I do think Kansas uh, takes it out, I think, because of they have the better players. I, I just think that that's what it's going to do. Um, and I think that they kind of start to solidify their road to the tournament after that. I mean, you know, 19-3, and 18-3, that's kind of consistent. It's not bad. It's not bad. Not saying not it's bad. Not bad because he demands a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know I do. 18 and 3, 19 I'm six and three, Super not, Bowls or nothing. I'm not six winning Super Bowls or nothing. <laughs> enough. Um, I'm, 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 both these teams are right. Both of them have been, been inconsistent, but 
Kansas's inconsistencies worry me more. I think some of Baylor's have been a young team because this is a, a young team. It's a completely different team than, than there were last year. It's a lot of freshmen, a lot of new guys. I think it was a young team that started getting a, a little ahead of itself, started seeing that number one ranking, started getting, you know, a little cocky with it um, and, and saying, oh, we're playing this unranked team at home. We're going to win. It, that's not how it happens. You, you still got to go out and get there and get the wins. I, I think for this game, they're going to be up for it. And I just think they're the better team overall. One thing I will say, though, is I thought Kansas's best game was last night against Iowa State. That's I, I think that's the best that I've seen Kansas look. And I think it was because Agbaji was gone. And what I think happens sometimes with him is, is he gets the ball and then they're just like, all right, go to work. Like, you know, people just kind of stand around and it becomes kind of a one man. So if Kansas can take, you know, learn from what they did against Iowa State without him and and bring that sort of mentality and, and that game plan and stuff while he's there, then you're talking about a national championship team. All right, our last pick. Duke against North Carolina. It's Coach K's last game in the Dean Dome. It's going to be a sad, sad game. I'm just getting sad. I mean, like, I understand people being sad about Tom Brady. Uh, the Coach K one is going to hit me, I think, more than Tom Brady. I, you know the target players are, are, would love to foil Coach K's last trip, but you know the Duke players want to, want to leave there with a win even more. Uh, that And Duke is just the better team. I think A.J. Griffin, uh, especially, is a guy that's really been stepping up for them and helping improve that three-point shooting. Uh, so I got Duke and Coach K getting a win in his last trip to North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, can you remind me who has Bonchero? <laughs> then that's that, would the be, that would be Duke. That's who I'm picking then. That's who I'm picking then. I, I agree. I think they have the better players. I think that they'll do it for Coach K. You know North Carolina is going to make it a game, for sure. Maybe more of a game that we're expecting, but I think Duke comes away with it at the end. I agree. All right, we're, we're in agreement on, on Nova, Arizona, and Duke. And then you got Kansas, I got Baylor, Illinois, Indiana. That is enough of college basketball talk. Let's go down under real briefly, Jan. Ashley Barty, champion of the Australian Open from the women's side. The doll getting his 21st championship on the men's side. Uh, I mean, what are you, just brief insight on, on, on what these wins mean for, for both these players? Yeah, I mean, Ashley Barty, I think it could definitely kickstart a, a run for her. She's dominated, uh, she dominated this tournament in a division where no one's really dominated uh, so much since Serena um, kind of started to go on a decline. And uh, I think there is so much potential. She reminds me of Osaka after she started getting those wins. Um, and with this monkey off her back of being able to win in her own country, uh, I think she does have a high ceiling. So I'm expecting Barty to really be a figurehead for, for a little bit here. Um, hard to say how much because the women's game is so competitive. But uh, I do think that, that Barty, this could kickstart Barbie to get some more titles. As for Nadal, um, just a crazy, crazy comeback. Very improbable. Probably the most improbable of his finals. I won't say it's his best final because... Nothing will ever beat Wimbledon over Federer, 2008. He was two sets up, lost two straight, had to win in fifth set in almost five hours against the king of the grass court. I mean, nothing yeah. will beat that. Nothing will beat that. Right. That is that is straight up like two legends duking it out in their prime. So like nothing can beat that. But it was one of his most memorable. I think it showed that he could still like add to that tally as well. Um, and... You know, I think 
that he does have the argument right now to be the GOAT. We have the three GOATs on the court right now. It's it's like kind of crazy to think about. We do. Federer is too injured. He's not going to win anymore. I wish he would. I wish I wish yeah, so much that he has a tie. I think he has a Tiger tournament left in him, but I right, I, right. I think maybe, that, maybe that's, a Wimbledon performance. Right. I think that's what he's saving it for, but maybe he's going to end at 21 at the most. But I think Nadal has shown, you know, that he can he can win a couple more. So and and depending on what Djokovic decides to do in the future, who knows what what his future in tennis really is. I'm not saying that he's not going to play anymore. But at the end of the day, we have three people tied on 20. And even if we think one is going to go past the other because he's slightly younger right now, Nadal has the most. So right now he's the GOAT. Yeah, I, I, I'm in, in agreement with, with, I think, basically everything you said. I, I do think I, I think this is going to be kind of a, a start for Barty to to really kind of take a stranglehold over the women's game. She's been number one for the majority of the last few years. Um, and, and, you know, first major in 2019, got Wimbledon in 21. Now getting this one, which I think is probably the biggest one for her as, as an Australian woman. Um, and she's still 25. Of course, like the last two years of, of, of COVID have, have impacted everybody in, in, a, in a negative way um and, and the women's game like you said like it there's no like it, it, the women's game is, is, is very very talented right now but there's very no talented. one there's no one there to dethrone there's no queen there's nobody that's dominating this sport 100%. and 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 i think if there's anybody that you would pick to say yeah she's about to do it it, it I, to me it's clear that it, that it's ashley barty uh, especially now that she got the aussie one um, and yeah, I mean, the, the Nadal, I, I, I think for now you, you have to say he's the GOAT currently, 21, that's the most for a man. And, and he also just did something that, that only Novak had done and uh, out of the, the big three guys um, and, and win multiple Grand Slams at each Grand Slam. Um, Federer still just has one at the French Open. Nadal finally gets his, his second at the Australian Open. So now multiple Grand Slams at each tournament. Um, I, you know, do, do I see him hanging on to that title? I don't know, but he's got it for now. You're always going to give him a chance in the French open. Like I, he could be 88 and, and I'd be like, well, Nadal probably win it. Um, but I will say, you know, like I, I woke up and just like, it's like, yeah, I'll turn on the tennis for a little bit because Medvedev had won the first two sets and was about to win the third. And then he started turning around and I'll tell you what, he won that because of those 20 previous Grand Slams. And I don't mean the, the sense of experience, but I mean because of the crowd. Because oh, that yeah. crowd willed him to that win. They wanted that comeback. They wanted the history. They probably wanted to see Medvedev lose. They, like, willed that victory as much as anything. Uh, and then briefly, we're going to talk about this a lot more, Jan, but Tom Brady, officially retired. He's the greatest ever. Most talented, I don't know. But, look, seven Super Bowls. Once he went down to Tampa and won it, I, I think, like, I used to like to argue against Brady, but but after that seventh one, it, it like it, it's a futile argument. There's no there's no argument to be made. He 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 is the greatest. What are, what are your brief thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, he goes out on his own terms, which is not what usually happens. Usually, what happens is the quarterback fails to take his team into the next round of the playoffs, a la Ben Roethlisberger. Usually, what happens is the quarterback goes to another team. And, and really disintegrates in front of our eyes and, and we keep making excuses for him until he retires. And that's what happens. But he goes out. Or, or the- maybe you get the, the, the storybook like John Elway. Was Peyton's last year? Did they Peyton Manning, yeah. Was that his last year? Yeah, like Manning. every yeah. now and then you get one of those. 
Hundred percent, and that's and and to me, this is on the same par as that. They might not have won the Super Bowl, but he won that. It's uh, unlike Peyton, where his defense helped him a lot. Um, he 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 kind of did his own stats on his own, uh, and and broke so many records and continued to do that, and and is in the MVP conversation. Um, he won't win it, but he goes out on top and on his own terms. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy and thankful for what he did for my team. Obviously, there's a lot of Patriots drama, but I also, you know. Yeah, dude, he hates you guys. I mean, I also don't, I take it personally in terms of like, I think that he's a very calculated person. So while I'm willing to say it that he's definitely said, isn't just an oversight. Right. Well, while I'm, I think he, I, while I think it's very probable that he felt he had nothing more to say because he said a lot. But even then, Matt, even then, how dare you not have more to say? How right. dare you not have more to say? It it hurts. It 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 does really how hurt do you, me. Like how do you not? Like, I just don't know. Like especially as you say, like it, is it, he's not the kind of guy that's just like, oh man, I just didn't think. Like no, y'all. Yeah. Especially after your retirement was announced for you, like several days before you decided to announce. Like it, this isn't you had spur time. of the moment like thing that you were like, oh, we got to put together a retirement thing. Right, and I mean, I think this sticks to him a little bit. I don't think it makes him not the goat. But I think it it will be remembered that, yeah, you can have your beef with Belichick and you can have your beef with Robert Kraft, even though Robert Kraft loves you like his own son. But how dare you not, like, acknowledge the fans that stuck right. by you through Spygate, through Deflategate, through all of this stuff. I mean, Boston Six was your— Bowls. Yeah, I mean, they they loved you, and, and to not acknowledge them and to acknowledge the fans of Tampa is honestly disgusting, and I really don't like it. Um but I, but but all of that aside, I'm glad I, I'm glad you're pissed about it. I am. I think pissed. you should. I think you should be. I think I, like I, I would. It's be. like if Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl with the Broncos and retired and said, "Oh, thank you to all of Denver. Thank you to everyone who believed well, in me." And in like, Denver. look, I've already lived through this with with Favre. Like right. Favre went to our own rival. He when he retired, he he did not forget to mention the Green Bay Packers to the Green Bay Packer fans. Right. And unless something comes out later, you know, because his Man in the Arena episode still hasn't come out. So perhaps they've been saying, like, it's going to be a love letter to the Patriots at the end of the day. I don't care. You have a little slideshow. You put the Patriots in your slide. And and especially when you're on your Instagram story retweeting all the things the Patriots are saying about you with hearts. No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. Either you ignore us completely because you're you're that kind of person or you acknowledge us in the first place. So I don't want this whole like pity repost thing. I don't need that, you know? Like you want to be petty, you be petty. I respect you for what you did for me. I was a winning uh, fan for 20 years of my life, right? Fair enough, but but I'm not going to now remember you in a in a fond light like like I I might have otherwise. I didn't need a lot, but to not get anything, it 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 really stings. Um all that aside, I don't want to get I was mad about it all day. I don't want to get mad about it again. Yeah. All that aside, it You'll, is, get out. You'll get over it. I'll get over it when Mac Jones wins our star first. There you go. Um, it's a nice Hall of Fame speech. He'll say something. He'll come back to, to New England. Also, it'll just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, no, I, mean I think I think you're right to be upset. But Thank you. I, 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 the, re- the reason I say you'll get over it is because like, like I remember feeling like so betrayed when Favre just went to the Vikings. And I was like, I'm never going to like Brett Favre again. And then, you right. know, they're like, hey, yeah. My favorite stat, just really quick to end this, Brady has played in 18% of all Super Bowls ever. All Super Bowls ever. Like, and think about all the Super Bowls played before he was born. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> he's he's played in 18% of all Super Bowls ever. My favorite stat I heard from all of the stats going around. Pretty, but yeah, pretty absurd. Great great accomplishment. Definitely the goat of football. Um, we'll have a discussion further down the line, I'm sure, of where he lands kind of in American sports in general. But for now, you know, he had a great career. I'm going to have a lot of growing pains now becoming a losing a losing fan and not getting to go to the Super Bowl. You guys Bowl just, you guys just made the playoffs. I know, but I'm saying not going to the Super Bowl. That, for me, is is losing. <laughs> I need to, recali- you I need to recalibrate. S- but that's You're what the I've most been... spoiled sports fan I am. I've I, ever fucking met. And it I makes am. Me so all of mad. my teams are great. It's not my fault. It's All of my teams are great. Boston teams are good. And yeah, Bayern Munich sure. is, is, is a powerhouse. I'm sorry. Sure, One day, sure. maybe it won't be true. And then you can make fun of me. But uh, sure. for now, it's, that's how it is. <laughs> no, it's certainly uh, the, the greatest quarterback of all time. And... Um, yeah, no, I, I actually kind of agree that the way he did it is, like, the coolest way. And the thing is with, like, Tom Brady and, like, having seven Super Bowls is, like, like Peyton in, in Elway's was, like, also, like, shit, I got to try and go get another Super Bowl before I retire. Like, it might be nice to have multiple Super Bowls. Like, Tom can be like, nah, I don't need to do that. I have seven. So, I'm out. Yeah, love it. All right, Jan, it's time to cool down. Mm, love the cool and we're just going, we're just jumping right into the hot seat. Yannick, we'll start with a serious one first. Okay, so that's good. Say. Well, Brian Flores, coach again in the NFL, be a head coach. Yes, I think he will be. I think that there is, there is enough um, understanding in the league, enough support. And also, he's not a coach that was on the outs and bringing this up now. He's a coach that took a Miami Dolphins team that was garbage in a lot of respect um in a lot of aspects i mean uh to a decent season to almost a playoff berth so i do think that he coaches again in the nfl maybe it's not immediately but i I do think he will i agree i mean i just like the standing that the guy has and and just like general around the league before this and the support that's that's come out uh uh, just behind him like he, he what he's doing right now and just like all everybody putting on the love on him is a really, really great like resume. Really, really good way to show that that you are a heck of a leader. So, hundred percent, I, I agree. I, I I agree, and and maybe it is just optimism, but but I think I like I said at the start of the day when I first heard the news, I was like, well, say for Brian Flores, good on him for falling on his sword. It really sucks, but I've I've changed my tune to it. All right, Jalen Green, Cole Anthony, Obi Toppin, Juan Toscano, Anderson. Who are you rooting for, and who are you picking to win? The NBA slam dunk contest. I'm rooting for Cole Anthony, man. I love Fuck Cole yeah. Anthony. He's a G and he's got hops. But he's the little man. He is the little man. He's the little man in the in the competition, and I just think he's great. I love him for so many reasons, but I I, I am rooting for Cole Anthony in this one. And I think he's yeah. gonna win. I'm gonna, I'm I, gonna think he, I think he I think he is too. Yeah, I'm rooting for him and I think he's gonna win. Because like he like the also the benefit of being the, the little man. I mean he's six three would you know stand over me easily but in context of the nba slam dunk contest he is littler um and so those dunks just always look better and definitely we'll be cheering for him all right final one what is your stanley cup finals prediction right now as of right now 
Well, okay, so my real answer is with Tampa Bay still up there and Golden Knights still up there, I have to go Tampa Bay Golden Knights because they have the experience in the playoffs and they're still performing well. However, my fun answer is I think the New York Rangers are going to the Stanley Cup. They're going to play the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to have a champion here in New York after NYCFC. That's going to be two, baby. New York sports are back. We need need to get to a Rangers game. We do. We do. All right, Jan, you're off the hot seat. We're through the episode. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us in, in what was a, a really packed full. I don't think I realized how much we really had to unpack, but I suppose that happens when a massive civil practice lawsuit, whatever they're technically called, occurs. Uh, so thank you guys so much for joining us. Please be safe. Take care of yourself. Enjoy yourself. We made it through January. Go enjoy February. Go find yourself a Valentine or don't. Just don't be like an annoying person about not having a Valentine. Like you're you'll be fine. It is it it's cool. Just like chill. Jan, anything for the people? Yeah, and don't be annoying about having a Valentine either. Why don't you l- live whatever Valentine life you need to live and let everyone else do what they need to do, guys. Let's not, you know, we just went through a pandemic. No reason to remind other people whether like what they're doing is good or not. Just like live your own life and enjoy it. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you want to, like, show your love on the Valentine's, do it. That's fine. Don't hold back just because, like, there's annoying single people that are like, I don't have any Valentine's Day. How many Valentine's Days I've had a girlfriend? Zero. Do you know how okay my life is? Like, it's extremely dope. It's a very good life. Like, chill out. Y'all are, quit quit reading your horoscopes. Okay, Jan, (laughs) anything else? We're done. No, I think we're done there. Cheers, y'all.